Bruins Diehards presents Clawing Through History. On today's episode, Jerome Aginla as a Bruin. I've talked about players like Eddie Shore and Bobby Orr, who had legendary careers with the Bruins. But today I'm going to talk about a player who was a legend, but not necessarily a Bruins legend, Jerome Aginla. When Aginla formally announced his retirement on July 30th, 2018, it capped off a 22-year career in which he played for five NHL teams, and the majority of his memorable career was played in Calgary as the captain of the Flames. Now, being a fan of an Eastern Conference team and living in the Northeast, I didn't really get a chance to see Aginla play as much as captain of the Flames. My real experience with him came from the NHL video games, and I can still remember playing hours of NHL 03, which Jerome graced the cover of. Aginla was everything you would want in a hockey player. He could score, and he could fight. And here are just a few of his accomplishments. He's the Calgary Flames' all-time leader in goals, points, and games played. He's a six-time All-Star, scored 50 goals in two NHL seasons, and is one of the seven players to score 30 goals in 11 consecutive seasons. He also won a gold medal at the 2002 Winter Olympics, giving Canada its first Olympic championship in 50 years. His shelf at home has plenty of hardware, including a couple of Rocky Richard trophies, Art Ross trophies, Ted Lindsay Awards, the King Clancy, the Marc Messier Leadership Award, and the NHL Foundation Player Award. You'll notice one piece of glaring hardware is missing, a Stanley Cup. Calgary had a shot at the Cup in 2004, but the Flames ended up losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games. Aginla had a great playoff. He led the league in playoff goals with 13, and the loss was hard on him. As he sat dejected in the locker room following the Game 7 loss, his father came in and said to him, I'm proud of you. All of Canada is proud of you. That Stanley Cup would be the last final for two years. The NHL lockout would end up canceling the following season. And as a flame, Aginla would never again make it past the first round of the playoffs. By 2013, it was becoming pretty clear that winning a cup with the Flames was becoming more and more unlikely for Jerome Aginla. A shortened lockout season that year moved the trade deadline to April 3rd and rumors began to spread that Aginla's time in Calgary may be coming to a close. He wanted a Stanley Cup, and he had narrowed a list of teams down to four. An article from CBS Sports on March 24, 2013 stated that the four teams Aginla was interested in were the Bruins, Penguins, Kings, and Blackhawks. They were smart choices. The Kings were just a season removed from winning their first cup in 2012. The Bruins had obviously won in 2011, the Blackhawks in 2010, and the Penguins had won it in 2009. Plus, the Pens have Sid the Kid, who is always going to attract players to the team. And at the end of that season, Aginla would become an unrestricted free agent, making him the perfect rental player to help get a team to the final. By March 27th, it seemed that the Jerome Aginla trade was starting to be put in motion, and the Boston Bruins had emerged as the leading team to land the legendary forward. As the Calgary Flames prepared to take on the Colorado Avalanche that night, it was reported that Aginla would be a healthy scratch. Since Jerome had played an insane 441 consecutive games for the Flames, it was pretty clear that he was probably getting dealt that day. In Providence, the Boston Bruins minor league affiliate, the Providence Bruins, had their two prospects, Jordan Cron and Alex Kokolichev, scratched for their game that night. And in Boston, defenseman Matt Barkowski had also been scratched. By 11pm that night, it felt like a trade between Boston and Calgary was becoming more and more of a done deal. The Bruins had not made an official announcement, but that was explained in a tweet by Sportsnet columnist Eric Francis, in which he stated, Word out of Boston's camp is that it's too late to make an announcement of this magnitude. Expect pressers in the morning, and bring the tissues, Calgary. Bruins fans were going to bed on the East Coast with the image of Ginla and the spoke bee in their head. Reports of the trade from multiple sources were as followed. Jerome Ginla had been traded to the Boston Bruins for a package of a 2013 first-rounder, 
Alex Kokolichev, and Matt Barkowski. It wasn't an incredible deal for the Flames, but reasonable enough for an aging forward like Aginla. And then something strange happened. Jay Feaster confirmed that Jerome Aginla had been traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Wait, what? Aginla had chosen the Penguins. He stated Crosby and Mulkin as the deciding factors. In the deal, the Flames received a first-round pick and two prospects, Ben Hanowski and Kenny Agostino. And as for the botched trade with the Bruins, what happened? According to former Bruins GM Peter Shrelly, Jay Feaster called him at noon that day and said the deal was done. Feaster told Shrelly that due to the magnitude of the trade, they were giving Aginla some time and space to process what had just happened. After a few hours without contact, Shrelly called Feaster around 5 p.m., but was unable to make contact with him. The two teams still began to make their arrangements in preparation of the trade, but later that night, Feaster called Shrelly back and informed him that Jerome had decided to go with the Penguins. And meanwhile in Boston, fans were upset. They felt a bit slighted by Aginla, and that feeling continued into the 2013 postseason. After a wild first round against the Maple Leafs and a Game 7 we all remember, the Bruins took down the Rangers in five games. This set the stage for the Eastern Conference Final matchup between the Bruins and the Penguins. In that shortened season, the Penguins finished the regular season as the top seed in the Eastern Conference. The Bruins finished fourth in the conference and second in their division behind the Montreal Canadiens. Not only did the Bruins win the series, they did it in commanding fashion. They held the Penguins to two, yes, two goals in the entire series and swept them in four games. Crosby, Malkin, and Aginla couldn't get it together and the best offense in hockey was shut down. In the cherry on top for Bruins fans, the last shot of the series came off a ginless stick and right into Tukaras glove. Had it gone in, it would have tied the game at one apiece with basically no time left on the clock. Boston forward Milan Lucic made his feelings clear about Ginla after the series. When a guy chooses another team over your team, it does light a little bit of fire underneath you, Lucic said. So now let's flash forward to the summer of 2013. Aginla is about to be a free agent, and the Penguins are not re-signing him. With the Stanley Cup still on his mind heading into free agency that summer, Aginla was still looking to head to a contender after a skunking by the Bruins the year before. But now he decided that this would be the team to take him all the way. But, in the summer of 2013, something much bigger was also brewing in Boston. Let's keep it in Boston. Tyler Sagan, Rich Peverly heading from Boston to Dallas. Huge trade. Louis Erickson, three others heading back the other way. Sagan had a goal and seven assists in the Bruins' Stanley Cup final loss to the Blackhawks. Let's take a look at this a little bit more. That's right. The Bruins traded their young up-and-coming star along with Rich Peverly and Ryan Button to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Louis Erickson and three prospects, Joe Morrow, Riley Smith, and Matt Frazier. The head-scratching trade was done on July 4, 2013. I'll save the story of Erickson's time in Boston for another day, but as of today, none of the pieces of the Sagan trade remain in Boston. The next day, Jerome McGinley signed a one-year, $6 million deal with the Bruins. With the shock of the Sagan trade still rattling the fan base, the Ginla deal was just another added amount of craziness in the Bruins' wild July of 2013. Oh wait, I forgot something. On June 30th, 2013, Bruins GM Peter Shrelly received a call from Nathan Horton's agent confirming that the Bruins winger would not be returning to Boston that season. And suddenly, the Bruins roster was looking a lot different than just about a month ago. There's actually a video of this call taking place and the discussion about the Sagan trade happening. It was recorded for the Bruins' first Behind the Bees special. Watching this video back now, it's insane to even think the Sagan trade went down, and clearly Dallas won that trade. 
and the Bruins were very good in the regular season that year. They finished the year 54-19-9 with 117 points, enough to capture the President's Trophy as the league's top team. It was their first time since 1990. With the Ginla, they got what they asked for. Despite going scoreless for his first nine games of the season, he managed to pot 30 goals and finish the season with 61 points. With expectations high heading into the 2014 postseason, the Bruins found themselves matched up against the Detroit Red Wings. A new playoff format and league realigning moved the Red Wings to the Eastern Conference. The historically dominant Red Wings were at the beginning of their decline. NHL veteran and gloriously bearded Henrik Zetterberg spent a lot of that season injured. In the 2014 Olympics, Zetterberg injured his back and had to undergo surgery, and he wouldn't return to the lineup until games 4 and 5 of that series. The Red Wings managed to win game 1, but it was all Bruins after that. The Bruins ended up taking that series in 5 games. Aginla did make an impact in that series. He scored the overtime goal in game 4 to give the Bruins a 3-1 series lead, heading back home for game 5, where he managed to pot the final goal in an open net, securing the Bruins' victory and helping them to win the series. This set the stage for a second-round matchup between the two oldest rivals in the sport, the Boston Bruins versus the Montreal Canadiens. For me, this series is kind of infuriating to think about. For one, the Bruins had a 3-2 series lead and lost both games 6 and 7. And for another, it's the Canadiens, and losing to them is extra painful. Aginla certainly made his mark. He scored three goals in the series, including the only Bruins goal in the Game 7 loss. There was also plenty of hate between the teams, which, you know, is always fun. It would be the last time players like Lucic and Thornton would play in a Bruins uniform in the postseason. Aginla also seemed to embrace the rivalry. Looking back at some of the old clips, it really is amazing how well he fit on the Bruins. But in the end, I think Montreal did what Montreal does best. They got under the Bruins' skin. The 2014 series against Montreal would be Aginla's last playoff series. The Bruins were unable to keep Iggy for the 14-15 season, and he decided to sign with Colorado. Despite making the playoffs the previous season, the Avs would not qualify the year Aginla signed. He would play for the Avalanche for three seasons before finishing out his career with the Los Angeles Kings, where he only played 19 games and scored six goals. Although Aginla only spent one year in Boston, he was part of a team I consider pretty memorable. Despite going through some pretty drastic roster changes in that 2013 offseason, the 2014 Bruins still had a good amount of players from their 2011 Cup win. In the years after, a lot of the character guys from that season left the team. In October 2014, the Bruins would trade Johnny Boychuk to the New York Islanders. And this trade always sticks out in my mind as the beginning of the end of that era. At the end of the year, after failing to make the playoffs, the Bruins would trade Milan Lucic to the LA Kings. And after that, the Julian years would start to come to a close. The Bruins failed to make the playoffs in 2015 and 2016, and Claude Julian was fired in February of 2017. In April of 2017, the Bruins would make the postseason for the first time since that Montreal series. In June of 2020, Jerome McGinley would be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And after all of his career success, Iggy, unfortunately, was never able to capture a Stanley Cup. <laughs>